Hello, hello, hello. How's everybody doing today? Uh, nobody's sitting next to me today because I actually have a guest discording in today. Uh, I have Mr. Former Bronze Pro Brian Carey here with us today. How you doing? Hello, Brian? everyone. I'm pretty so, good. So, uh, yeah, we had a uh, we had an interesting weekend together. Although, oddly enough, it wasn't magic related for either of us. We uh. We both share a mutual secondary hobby that arguably is hard to maintain alongside Magic the Gathering. Uh, I think I may or may not spend a little bit too much time on this hobby compared to how serious I try to take Magic, but, you know, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we actually went to the LCS finals for League of Legends, which, if you follow either of us on Twitter, you've definitely seen plenty of posts from the both of us. It was, it was a ton of fun. I know you went last year, I believe you said, right? I went uh, in the spring, and I also went in the summer of 2016. Okay. And yeah, it was a ton of fun. I definitely see why you keep going. And uh, I'm definitely planning on going back myself, as I know you said you want to try also. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of weird how uh, hype being there watching people play a video game can be on a jumbotron yeah. even like more so than like you would expect from, from like an IRL kind of sport. Yeah, it's it's a lot more fun. It's almost more fun watching than it was playing than it is like playing the game at home. It's like it, it's kind of like watching people play magic almost where you know watching the top level is just like so intense and you can learn so much and it just like really makes you want to play and gives you that urge for the game even more. Absolutely. Agreed. So, uh, that was our weekend, though, but there, uh, there's a lot to talk about that happened just today, as a matter of fact. And starting off, we'll, as usual, we do a fun fact at the beginning of the week. And so the fun fact this week is actually one that just came to us today. It's the fact that Rampaging Ferocidon is the first ever card to get unbanned in standard which brian and i were actually talking we uh we're not really sure we even feel this card should have been banned we think it uh it kind of died for hazareth's sins which uh yeah hazareth was not was not an okay magic card that, that card was it, there for a while there it was basically you play hazard or you play the scarab god and I'm honestly surprised that the Scare of God itself even survived the entirety of its standard, whereas Frostathon ended up dying. Yeah, it was it was really interesting because there was a period where they were they were pretty heavy on standard bans, but it never seemed like they banned the correct cards. Uh, I think the energy stuff they got kind of right with uh, the what's it called? Uh, Attune with Aether and, uh, and Rogue Refiner. And, uh, Rogue Refiner. Uh, I just felt that they hit the wrong, at least the wrong creature with red. I understand the Ramonet Bruins. I like. I initially thought that it was kind of dumb, but uh, thinking about it, um, if the deck, if they had banned Hazard, which I thought was the correct one, then people would have just gone with a more grindy red deck, was still with Ruins, just kind of providing too much late game for a deck that was supposed to be so aggressive. Yeah, when you can, and it's kind of like the same thing we see in Modern, where we see like all the the. Uh the horizon canopy lands being super popular now that we have more yeah. than just green white it anytime you can give a super aggressor like an aggressive deck late game that's when the aggressive deck decks really get the chance to shine and that's yeah, exactly what ramunap did in that standard format 
Yeah, particularly when it's at such a low cost, like built into your mana base that doesn't even hurt the mana base. Yeah, like, well, like you take a little bit of damage, but I mean, whatever. Like they're taking uh, more. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> especially alongside the uh, uh, what was the other one? The Sun Scorched Desert, where it does the damage to them off entering the battlefield. Yeah, that one uh, was mostly played as a desert at the time, mm-hmm. just for it to sack the ram and that. But it was also just, it became bolt on its own because it entered and dealt one, and then the, the ruins made it turn into into three total out of that one land, which was kind of absurd for a standard card. Right. Yeah, almost like a uh, exquisite firecraft, almost. Yeah. For like a lack of a better term. But uh, that's enough about rampaging Ferocidon for now, at least. We'll get into him a little bit more in the episode. But before we go any further, we got to shout out momsbasementgames.tcgplayerpro.com for being our sponsor for this podcast. They, as you all know, they have the best singles possible for anything you need. Anything from snow-covered lands to Field of the Dead to Skewer the Critics, Mom's Basement Games has everything that you might want. As well as on our YouTube channel, you can find plenty of wonderful content by all of our content creators. So... First things first, we're going to get into a little bit of results that uh, I feel like probably don't matter anymore, honestly. Like, uh, maybe some of the non-Hogak list, maybe some fine-tuning of some of the newer decks that have popped up because of Modern Horizons. Like, this will probably be the go-to Wurza list to go for for a little bit, but generally speaking, yeah, a lot of this top eight uh, got banned. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Obviously, the BNR is going to be our main topic for today, but looking at this, you, it kind of like shows why why some of the bans had to happen, you know? Five copies of Hogak in the top eight. Thank God we're never going to have to see this again. Hopefully, uh, hopefully Wizards doesn't make another mistake to where a deck pops up like this again. Can we just stop printing Delve? Yeah, <laughs> I would, uh... <laughs> I'd be down for just no Delve cards, honestly. Like, I can kind of see a little bit of Convoke because, you know, some of the Convoke cards... Convoke's a cool mechanic, room. I think. Yeah, Convoke's, Convoke's all right, but Delve is just... It's too free. It's busted. Like, yeah. we have, what, three Delve cards that were printed in the last four years on the ban list? Yeah, those... like. Phyrexian Mana and Delve has single-handedly gotten semi-cool design of cards banned because they just got too cheap. Exactly. Like, uh... But what if they came out with a Phyrexian Delve spell? Do you think that would be fair and balanced? What do you mean by Phyrexian Delve spell? Like, it has Phyrexian, but you can also Delve. What if, what if uh, we did that? Mm, and then what I if we gave it Trample? Too good. <laughs> <laughs> Made it a 9-9, right? Yeah, for, there we go. one mana, yeah. It can get Mental Misstep then. Perfect. Fair. <laughs> Wizards, get on it. But, uh, yeah, we're not going to spend too much time on this as, again, it's not going to be super relevant other than maybe Eldrazi Tron and the Urza list. But even the Urza deck might uh, might have some shakeup, as we'll see. Yeah, uh, and the because of the other the bans today, I think that the Eldra- like Eldrazi Tron, I think, was particularly good because it was a Hogak meta as well, whereas I think we might see a shift back towards the your typical green Tron as well. Yeah, and I I think Chalice of the Void got a lot weaker with these bans also. Yeah, uh, with the unban even, it makes fair decks more common, and Chalice isn't that great against the fair decks either. Exactly. Fuels Tarmogoyf a lot more, and uh, 
just really doesn't do much when the decks aren't like trying to Xerox through. Mm-hmm. So for events coming up this weekend, we we don't actually have any Grand Prix this weekend. Kind of taking an off week after the excitement that was GP Las Vegas, which from what I heard was a huge success. But SCG is back on the train, and they're stopping in Dallas this weekend for Modern, which this is going to be an exciting weekend. I uh, kind of wish I would have booked my flight now, but it's a little late for that. Yeah, I nearly did, but uh, tickets, uh, flights got a little too pricey for me before I went to actually go do it. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, kind of fortunate for you that you didn't? Kind of not, maybe? Yeah, yeah because as, uh, uh, I don't have a deck now. <laughs> yeah, which gets us to our main topic, which is the August 26, 2019 Banned and Restricted announcement. So, uh, starting off, we had a standard unban and rampaging Ferocidon. Now, uh, a lot of people are asking why right now. I don't... I understand, like, their explanation of, like, oh, it's good against, you know, the two best decks and scapeshift and vampires, but, like, we don't have a relevant standard tournament until rotation. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's the only but the the timing of it makes sense and makes sense in the meta terms for the format, but just timing with rotation coming up so soon is just seems it's like off to do it now, but Yeah, the the card only has like a month left and I think the the only event that it could potentially see plan is this standard classic in Dallas this weekend. So uh, also next week there is Grand Prix Indianapolis, which is Team Modern, but there is a standard Pro Tour qualifier. Okay, at so the, uh, at the GP or I'm still Mythic Championship qualifier right now. But. Is it Team Unified or is it Standard Modern Legacy? Uh, the it's just Team Modern. Okay, it's not Unified is just Team Modern, but the the PTQ the MCQ on that on Saturday during day one of the main event is Standard. Okay. Interesting. So it's not unified. Normally they yep. do unified for the GPs, I thought. Yeah, they normally do. Um, I'm actually happy to see a move away from that. Uh, unified was kind of a pain to work with. Yeah, it really, uh, really put you into certain archetypes, I, I felt like. Well, not only, like, it... So if you had, like, someone who was a specialty in a certain t- archetype already, a lot of modern decks don't really cross over a whole ton so it did like the unified rule on modern didn't feel like it really made any interesting deck decisions mm-hmm. other than just you don't find a phoenix player and a phoenix player together you just find a phoenix and a tron player and another kind right you know what I mean? like i remember uh i played in the one when it was gp detroit about a year ago now and i remember it was when kci was still a deck so you would have your Ancient Stirrings deck in either KCI or Tron. You would have your Humans or Spirits deck. And then you would have typically like your Jun style deck. And you yeah, really... Or, or a Faithless Living deck in that spot or something. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Phoenix wasn't quite popular at that point? Like it was yeah. It was still kind of forming as a deck? Yeah. Dredge, Dredge was also a, a deck that could Dredge was a big deck at that time. Yep. Which, uh... Moving on to uh, Dredge and Faithless Loading, for that matter, moves us into the format that I think we're going to end up talking the most about, which is the modern bands and unbands, for that matter. So the first one, I think, is the one 
we really don't have to talk the most about as I'm pretty sure everyone saw this one coming. Hogak Arisen Necropolis is finally banned. And thank the Lord. Yeah, uh, Hogak Summer is over, just as Eldrazi... It, the, the end for this one was coming as much as Eldrazi Winter was. Yeah, I, uh, I think they actually la- ended up lasting pretty close to the same time, unfortunately. Yeah, there was one ban announcement that Hogak survived, which everyone thought that the combo was what really made Hogak banned when, or, or bannable, which it turns out that Hogak itself was just the problem. Turns out zero mana eight eights with Trampler just busted on their own, you know? They, uh, you can put just about any... I, I actually seen this on Twitter, and it was hilarious. This person 5-0'd right before it got banned on Moto with Hogak, where they had nine extra slots and they put nine of their favorite cards in. Where they put like an Aether Vial. Anticipation, right? Yeah. yeah, that was in the sideboard. <laughs> they had a Leyline of Anticipation. They had a Phyrexian Obliterator, an Aether Vial. Just like a bunch of nonsense in the deck. Yeah, it turns out that it's 50, what, like 52, 54 busted cards, then the rest is just filler that doesn't matter. Yep. Or just like how uh, I seen this one person who 5 0'd with. A 75-card Hogak deck where they accidentally submitted their sideboard in the main. Yeah, like, it turns out turns out the card was kind of good. Yeah, you know. But uh, thankfully, we don't have to worry about that anymore. And Modern is uh, actually the Wild West now because of the middle and the bottom card here, which we'll get into the middle one first since that's, the I think, the honestly, the most impactful thing that happened that's banned and restricted. I, I can agree. Uh, Faithless Looting is banned. Now, uh, I know you personally are really impacted by this as your only modern deck you had was actually Is It Phoenix currently. Well, yep. Yep. was Is It Phoenix. Well, was, yeah, Is It Phoenix. So uh, we're, a lot of people are saying Is It Phoenix is dead, which I kind of agree with. I don't foresee there being any good enough replacement and. And all of the decks er, that played Phoenix, you, like, seen them start going down on discard spells from what they originally played. Which, like, originally you'd see, like, your four lootings, you'd have a couple lightning axes, maybe an Is it charm. But a lot of decks were just on, like, four looting now. And that was good enough. Yeah, that was my, my latest list, for example, was just on looting. Uh, really just kind of turns out that the deck was mostly blue-red spells, but needed a way to, uh, a, like, or, like but most of the deck already existed just as a thing in the ice deck, but you needed a way to abuse looting, and Phoenix kind of gave it that, and now you've lost that ability uh, to be able to pitch the Phoenixes, which makes Thing in the Ice not a good enough threat on its own. Yeah, Thing in the Ice loses a lot of uh, power then, especially when you can't really control after you draw lands. And Aria of the Flame obviously gets a lot weaker as the card is powerful, but I don't think it's powerful enough to enable the shell by itself. Yeah, so like the I think the biggest if Aria were to survive, it would be on the back of how good Aria Finalia promises together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this having flashback also really helped to giving you like two spells out of one card when it comes to Aria. So it, like, gave you a good late game for the deck. Yeah, and, like, being able to finale a Faithless Looting was... Faithless Looting was almost always a target with finale of Promise, unless you, like, really needed the removal spells. So not having access to 
the best dig spell, the best card draw spell in modern is really really going to hurt the decks that needed to be able to look through more cards and find their synergies. Yeah, and then obviously all the graveyard deck, graveyard base strategies, particularly Dredge being the biggest one as a graveyard base strategy is obviously going to get really hurt. Yeah. Um, not being able to filter the graveyard graveyard centric cards that it drew back into the grave not as easily at least yeah dredges dredge definitely takes a big hit from this although oddly enough i think dredge is the deck out of all of these that has the most potential to survive the faithless looting ban because I agree. I agree. they're the only ones that really have a substantial replacement in it being insolent neonate and it not necessarily being an upside, because obviously not having looting is definitely not an upside. But now being able to discard before drawing is actually important to dredge. To where like a deck like Is It Phoenix, like you want the actual card selection more than you want just being able to bin something, for example. Yeah, so I've seen people talk about how just play like the three biggest replacements I've seen people talking about it for Phoenix, which I actually don't think these are actual replacements, but the cards I've seen talked about the most are Burning Inquiry, which is the one red discard, draw three, discard three, at, but the discard three is at random. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cathartic Reunion, the two mana, discard two, draw three. And Is It Charm, which is uh, one of its modes is a, is the uh, faithless looting but with phoenix you needed to be able to cast like three spells in a turn so something costing uh one versus two is massive in that deck it would, like, would require like if you were to go to is it charms it would require you to have a morphos whereas before you might not need the morphos for example because you just need like you get we're constrained on mana uh and then for like burning inquiry which would be the one mana replacement the, the whole deck doesn't want to kill the grave. Most of it you actually want to keep, just not the phoenixes. So the so losing the selection on it, I think, is too big of an impact. Yeah, I think, I think it's a little burning inquiry is a little too random for the chances of is it phoenix? You know, it, it's not like hollow one where pretty much any burning inquiry isn't gonna matter because most of your yeah. cards want to be in the graveyard. Is yeah, it if Phoenix? you're discarding Bloodgast and Flamewake Phoenix, you're totally fine. But at least in Is It Phoenix, the only card you want to discard is the Phoenix. Yeah, like, you don't want to be discarding your Thing in the Ices or your Aria of the Flames, for example. You only have one win count. And that that was actually the strength of Is It Phoenix, in my opinion, is that it didn't lose so hard to Graveyard Hate because it was only Phoenix. Yeah, agreed. Um... Aria really helped with that to move away from Ascension. Yeah, not having your enchantment win con not have to care about the graveyard really helped that out. And Hollow One's another deck that I, I'm i interested to see what happens with it. I feel like looting was a really core piece of that deck, but at Great. the same time, they do have Burning Inquiry, but you're definitely not going to be getting turn one Hollow One as much now. Yeah, your Hollow One draws are obviously going to be a lot weaker, and even just having one less of like a discard effect for uh, Flame Blade Adept mm-hmm. as well. Like it takes away like the secondary uh, Wing Con for the deck uh, quite a few times. Was like Flame Blade Adept and uh, getting extra cards in the grade to be able to cast your Delve Threats in uh, Grimmag Angler. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm I'm not actually sure what that deck would replace this with. Maybe Cathartic Reunion, but that's two mana. Potentially maybe just like try to go a little more degenerate and play Simeon Spirit Guides, but then you're a little less inconsistent. Yeah, and at that point, especially with Burning Inquiry, but like if, with Simeon Spirit Guide and Burning Inquiry, you're really going down on card disadvantage. So if you don't hit on your random discards, then it really you would really feel the effect in the towards late game. Yeah, and you're also just more likely to discard your Hollow Ones the more cards you go down with effects like that. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the Faithless Looting Band, which is really going to shake up Modern. The yeah. other thing, what was that? I was gonna say, I also uh, it's also worth noting that this does affect like your uh, pyromancer builds as well. Like one of the uh, non Tarmogoyf, non blue white control type mid range decks also does get uh, severely affected with this one as well. That's true. I didn't actually consider that. Yep. So you don't have like your one of your cheap card draw spells in the Mardu. Like, you don't have the cheap card. Uh, uh, card draw spell in the Mardu colors yeah. to like discard your lingering mm -hmm. souls and whatnot. You know, and, and it also makes the uh, uh, what's that eight mana card called? Oh, uh, Bethlehem Bethlehem Reveler. Reveler. It, it makes casting that card a lot harder as well. Yeah, I think I think it, we will probably not be seeing Mardu Pyromancer in the foreseeable future, as Agreed. looting was the card that really made it viable, as opposed to like. Jund or Abzan or any of your other like your green based mid range decks, you still have seasoned Pyromancer, but being a three mana as opposed to one mana really affects it. Like you can't just go ahead and cast it on one and then flashback of a, a Lingering Souls on two. Yeah, um, if you are gonna go Mardu, I have seen uh, some list of the like the Mardu Death Shadow. So Mardu itself as a color combination, I think, can like survives this. But, but the um, Pyromancer, just, the Pyromancer specific, yeah. Okay, and I I think I totally agree. Uh, your buddy had just gotten into modern with Mardu Pyromancer, and he's now very sad. You said, uh, clever MTG, yeah. And that's actually something Brian and I were talking about before the podcast is it's kind of the unfortunate reality of Magic the Gathering in general is because it's a paper game and it's a game that, you know, you play physically and one-on-one -on -one in person, you are going to get affected a lot more by bannings. It's not, it's not like, say, League, like we were talking about earlier, where, oh, they nerfed my champion. Well, I'll just have to go ahead and start playing this other champion or the champion will still be fine, but not excellent. It really can potentially just like what happened to Brian, just take away a complete archetype and you kind of just get left out in the snow, unfortunately. Yeah. The financial implications of magic, particularly with balance changes like this is a lot. Um, because not only is it the, like my scalding tarns are still fine. They're still worth money, obviously. Right. But the time invested and the matchups and the knowledge that went in that goes into these decks is very valuable. Like it's obviously got a different debt value than just money. But uh, you also kind of lose out on that time investment. Yeah, and the that's the other hard thing is like the amount of time and effort you put into learn like you said, learning the lines of a deck, learning the mulligan decisions, the sideboard decisions now having to pick up a new deck, you're not going to have that, especially if you have a big tournament planned. Like, 
I think you mentioned maybe potentially going to a MCQ this weekend. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're still planning on doing that or not, but. Uh, well, I am going to Grand Prix Indy um, next weekend, so I figure it's probably better for me to get a some, something in a real tournament of rep in before next weekend. So I think I'm still going to the MCQ, but honestly, I have no idea what I'm playing now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was just completely planning on playing into Phoenix for the, both of these next couple weekends, but now I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, and uh, it hopefully, hopefully something will end up transitioning, which. I know you're. Uh, I know you are working on picking up things for the Urza deck, for example, which is yep. obviously nothing quite like. Uh, is it Phoenix? But I know the at, at least I believe Tarns are played in that deck. So uh, you... in the blue red versions, at least. Well, uh, we might not be playing red anymore, given the next uh, card that got affected by the ban list, though. Yeah, the, uh, the next one is also pretty big, which is something I think a lot of people have been asking for for, God. Since the format was since, made. Since, yeah, Modern was made even. <laughs> Especially since it's been played heavily. Is uh, We finally got the two-mana core Artificer unbanned in Stoneforge Mystic. Which, uh, for people who don't know what Stoneforge Mystic is, it's, like I said, it's a two-mana one-two core Artificer that when it enters the battlefield... You can search your library for an equipment card, reveal it, and put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Well, then for a white and a colorless and tapping it, you can put that equipment into your hand onto, or from your hand onto the battlefield. So the notable card that really works well with this that a lot of people talk about is obviously Batterskull. Now, I am totally okay with a Stoneforge Unbanned as I think it's going to do a lot for modern. I think... I don't think this card is going to be as oppressive as some people think it's going to be. I mean, we've seen turn one hollow ones, for example. It's basically the same thing as a turn one batter skull. Or, I mean, we just dealt with two with zero mana eight eights on turn two. I don't really think a turn three, four four life linking vigilance is that bad. Yeah, so the um, the arguments I've seen against Stoneforge a lot of the times has to do with that it really kind of will narrow down the white mid-range decks mm-hmm. in a way of taking away from competitive diversity in that sense that any white mid-range decks are just all going to be banning, or just going to be not banning, playing Stoneforge Mystic. But what white mid-range decks are there now to begin with? And I, You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. exactly the biggest thing, like what decks would, like, the white decks that see a lot of play in modern are what? Humans? Humans doesn't really want Stoneforge Mystic. It's not a human, and it takes away from their creature count. And half their lands can't even cast it. Mardu Pyromancer is gone. That deck maybe would have wanted it, but... uh, Blue-White Control is one of the only few, like, top-tier decks I think that may benefit from Stoneforge. But I don't even know that Control necessarily wants it as much as it'll develop more of a mid-rangey Stoneblade approach. Kind of like what we see in Legacy. Yeah, a lot of times, one of the advantages to Blue-White 2 is that it negates your opponent's removal in Game 1. So by adding Stoneforge, you give those cards value to your opponent. Exactly. And that, that that's a big deal if all of a sudden their bolts actually have like a card attached to them rather than just being like damage to the face. Mm-hmm. Rather than hoping to just like be able to get your opponent out of the game you can actually use it to transition into a one for one exactly 
Oh, kind of, kind of one for one. Well, because uh, Stoneforge mm -hmm. does get you the card no matter what, at least. Yes, you do still get the equipment, whether it be Batter Skull or one of the swords, which are what I assume Stoneforge will be tutoring up for the most part. But uh, also might be tutoring up some sort of the Meeks, as you uh, had mentioned to me. Yeah, I think at least initially for like obviously once people start figuring out how to build around Stoneforge better, um, I think that sort of the meek will actually be the second most common equipment to start with at least. I think people are going to slot this into Urza to try replacing Goblin Engineer uh, and those kinds of slots in the Urza deck because um, it gives the deck like a mid-range uh, and a step between like a step between the early turns and your combo turn, it gives you a buffer to be able to survive. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it might be better than Goblin Engineer in that slot, but Goblin Engineer also helps with just like the whole tutoring and comboing off part. So we've yet to be seen as to whether or not which one will be better. Yeah, and it will be interesting to be seen, like you said. Uh, Ant Faden, you mentioned that your problem is that Urza is going to slot Stoneforge into their decks. I don't necessarily see that as being a problem personally. Like it, it slows or it will actually slow Urza down. I think, which I don't think will necessarily be a bad thing for that deck or for the format. I've always, yes. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, I think that with the Urza decks where it could be the most potential is that a lot of decks that have been kind of really powerful over the years. The number one ones that I can think of are like pod, Twin in standard four colors of Healy are the ones that have a normal game plan, but also like a combo finish. Uh, Stoneforge helps to build that kind of Urza deck with having a normal game plan with like the Stoneforge, but then also sometimes they just land Urza and then just go off from there. So it might overall build a slower but better Urza deck, but we don't know that yet. Yeah, and the the other big thing with it is I think I personally don't ever feel when an artifact deck is one of the better decks in modern, that it's a bad modern metagame. Because artifacts are a lot easier to hit and a lot slower than the graveyard strategies are. So I don't think we're going to see... Like, it's a lot harder for an artifact deck to get underneath Stony Silence. And I don't really think Urza even can get underneath Stony Silence to where uh, Hogak could get underneath a Rest in Peace pretty easily. Urza itself, I guess the ability to make mana didn't necessarily need... Like, it could do that through Stony Silence, but you wouldn't be able to do the combo. So it... You could still make mana, but not... Right. Which... Uh, do the whole combo thing, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, it gives that deck play. Like, that gives back and forth to the deck, which is why I personally don't think Urza... I think Urza's a great deck for Modern. Because I think it can attack at multiple angles. I think it gets really affected by artifact by like a certain form of hate but at the same time it can play through it so you get some give and take it's not like oh they played this card and i died or oh they didn't play this card so they died i think yeah. i think the, the deck actually has a lot of play with it yeah the only exception i would say would be kci partly because that deck was like so unbelievably resilient while also not being deterministic so even when you comboed, sometimes your opponent just sat there for 20 minutes while you did nothing. Yeah. So, Like, at least with Urza, you'll know when you're dead. Yes, and... they have a million life and a million 1-1s and have cast every single card in their deck. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I think if Urza ever becomes oppressive, I don't actually think it's the Thopter Sword or even Urza for that matter that will end up being the problem with the deck. I think if anything, it would probably be Mox Opal. Yeah, jump-starting these things by a whole turn is what would probably be the most impressive part of it. Yeah, but the other thing is, is if a Mox Opal ban ever did happen, I think the Thopter Sword decks would still be playable. I think the decks that would really get punished by it would be like the Affinity Styles. Yeah, Hardened Scales would probably be the, like besides Urza, would be the next most effective deck. Yeah. But like I said, I think Urza would probably still would find a way to survive through a Mox Opal ban. Agreed, agreed. I've even, me and you kind of thought it was kind of weird, but we've even been seeing lists of people trimming down to three Mox Opals. Yeah, I still think that's absurd. But uh, they they can do without Opal, even if they are obviously better with. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other thing that Stoneforge really gets to do is it does help really open up the gap for a lot of white-based mid-range decks in Modern, which is powerful because white's always had, and no matter what format you look at, except for maybe Standard, white typically has the most powerful spot removal. In Modern, it's Path. and Legacy, it's Swords. So being able to open up your mid-range decks to having access to a solid threat for cheap mana and solid removal spells, I think is really going to help out the format a lot. Being either in a blue-based shell like Stoneblade or... Even potentially something along the lines of like Abzan. Yeah, uh, I could see Jun style decks, but with white instead of the red for Stoneforge. If it turns out like Stoneforge is better than like your BBE and your Cake Command kind of interactions. Yeah, and that's actually the other interesting thing is the Green Black X mirrors now have a lot of play to them, to where. Before, Jund was kind of normally a dog to Abzan because of cards like Lingering Souls. Well, now, I'm not even... I I think they'll still probably play some number of Lingering Souls, but they're definitely going to be playing Stoneforge Mystic, which Kolagon's Command is is such a blowout against. So I think that's going to... Yeah, and then, like, Renin 6 helps still keep the Lingering Souls in check kind of thing, too. Yeah. So I... Well, I think Abzan might be the better way to go. We'll end up finding out. I think Jund would actually offset Abzan if Abzan ever did become popular. Yeah, I think there's definitely room for both. It might just be one of those cases where a lot of your green-black X players, kind of like like Reduke, you just might have, if if you're able to, have access to both, and then you pick which one you want to play for the weekend, depending on which metagame you expect. Yeah, or uh, I'd be interested to see, as Ant Faden mentioned in chat, uh, if a four-color version can take off. I know uh, Rasha was actually... He was actually playing a four-color deck right before Hogat got banned for Kaya's Guile. And maybe instead of Kaya's Guile, he just slots in Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah, Kaya's Guile does seem a lot less needed with Looting Band. Yeah. But uh, there it used to be a four-color John-style deck at one point, but that was when it had Deathray Shaman. I'm not sure if the mana would work as well now, but I could see, like, going Thoughtseize into Stoneforge and then, like... BBEing into a Stoneforge seems really good. Yeah, and Renin 6 is a pretty... It's not Deathrite Shaman, but it's it does a pretty decent interpretation for like fixing your mana assign. Yeah, especially in Legacy. And uh, I think Ant actually brought up the last style of deck to talk about with Stoneforge Mystic, 
which is the potential for death and taxes style decks in modern, which I'm actually not sure. So if they end up wanting Stoneforge Mystic, they actually have to alter how their deck is built because I don't think you can really play Stoneforge Mystic alongside a card like Leonid Arbiter. I think it's just too big of a nombo. Yeah, you have to move a little bit away from the uh, Ghost Quarter Path of Exile did not like land an plan with the Leon Arbor, I think. I uh, think. But the reason why it works in Legacy is because your uh, Ghost Quarter is Wasteland. Yeah. And I, I think I completely agree. And I think the. I think it'll end up being that you actually need the. Like, get your opponent off their mana plan more than you need a solid two mana threat. But. I could potentially see a deck like the uh, old Green White Value Town deck pop up with Stoneforge now. Yeah, that that would make sense. Uh, like with like neither Reliquary kind of just Value Town and E Witness and all that all that stuff. Yeah, and I mean Stoneforge is a heck of a thing to collect it company into. So hit it end of yeah, turn, then they don't have as good of a chance to kill it. Yeah, and all the equipments do at least naturally go decent with all the creatures in the Collective Company deck as well. It's yeah. not just, you know, putting only Batter's Call into play. Any other swords that aren't Sword Unique mm-hmm. uh, would still function well with just creatures. Yeah, like it's sort of Fire and Ice or Light and Shadow or War and Peace, for example. Yeah, I imagine Fire and Ice would be the go-to to start off with, but... Uh, obviously it depends on how the meta would shape up. You could even eventually, I don't think so, but you could even see the uh, the new ones, the Mono Horizon ones come up with uh, that you have a tutor for them. Yeah, it would really depend on how the meta ends up shaping out because, like we've seen even with Hardened Scales, prolif- the, the blue-white one is like, put a counter proliferate, and proliferate can really do some messed up things with like your opponent's Aether Vials or Chalice of the Voids or anything like that. Yeah. And if uh, a deck ever picks up with a lot of, like, artifacts and or planeswalkers, Sinew and Steel could potentially see some play. Yeah, agreed. So, the only other format to really talk about, I, I'm i not sure, have, have you played much Vintage at all, Brian? I have not. I've watched people play it every now and then. Uh, all I know is that uh, they restricted the wrong card this time around. Because uh, shops, I'm, not, I'm really surprised that it's lasted this long in Vintage, but... You know, wizards say they don't, uh, they don't like look at the secondary market, but I think that's like total baloney. Because I think if so, we would have definitely seen a workshops ban. Yeah, I think you could unrestrict like half the cards on the vintage restricted list and just restrict workshops, and it would be basically the same thing. I a hundred percent agree. I think hell, I think we have two restrictions on this list and. Karn the Great Creator and Mystic Forge, even that could, pro- especially Mystic Forge, I think did not wouldn't need restricted if it wasn't for workshops. Karn maybe because I know they like to restrict things that like don't let people play with their power. So yeah, Karn I could still see getting it because, but part of the reason why it's so good is because it's like lights out in your shops mirrors. Mm-hmm. So if shops isn't as popular, then maybe Karn isn't as needed. Yeah, but and I, I know obviously Karn is obviously still good against the uh, Paradoxal Outcome Storm decks. Yeah, but. and I, Aaron, I know you're saying that both needed to be hit, but did both need to be hit only because of shops? Shops aren't as reliant as Workshop as they used to be. Interesting. 
I uh, I don't know much about vintage, but it seems odd that they wouldn't be relying on the card that they're named after. Yeah, I think they've become less reliant on it because all the cards in the deck keep getting restricted. That could be. <laughs> but, yeah, I've always just thought that they should start there, and then if anything else needs to get restricted from there, then restrict it then. Just go down the line. Yeah, I like, maybe Mystic Forge and Karn still need to get hit, but Karn more likely, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, it's it's very surprising to me that Mystic Forge is restricted in Vintage before uh, Workshops is. Yeah. And what you're saying actually makes a lot of sense, Aaron. They're less reliant on Workshops so they can cast Karn more consistently. Which, in that case, I could maybe still see a Karn restrict. But I still yeah, think that... half the restriction list could come off if we just restrict Workshops. Yeah, Lodestone Golem like, being an actual four-mana play to like new their storm decks that you fight against as a, a as an artifact deck is totally fine when mm-hmm. it's not being played on turn two or turn one yeah and i mean if you draw your one of workshop in your deck at that point it'll be it'll be pretty lit so it's not you know every game yeah uh mental misstep is kind of an interesting restriction their explanation is they want to just like try to make deck diversity a little more so everyone doesn't have to play misstep. Phyrexian Man is broken, so why not? Yeah, I'm totally happy with misstep and Gitaxian Pro being where they belong, which is as only a one of in a broken format anyway. Yeah. Uh, for those who are asking, Mystic Forge is a four mana artifact that lets you look at the top of your library at any time. You can cast the top card of your library if it's an artifact card or a colorless non-land card. And then you can tap it, pay one life, and exile the top card of your library. Basically think Experimental Frenzy, except way stronger for your colorless slash artifact decks. Yeah, being being able to get rid of the top card to be able to keep going at the low cost of one life is pretty good. Yeah, really, really powerful. Uh, the next restriction is Golgari Grave Troll, which they referred to as... Dredge being more of a problem with the London Mulligan rule, which I think everybody kind of seen coming. Um, Dredge has always been a really powerful deck in Vintage, and it's always relied on your, honestly, Bizarre Baghdad more than any other card in the deck. So now that they can find it more consistently, I'm not surprised that this deck ended up needing a restriction. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I guess at this point, would that point would kind of really, really hurt the whole archetype, but I... Bizarre is another one of those where I'm kind of surprised that they... Not really surprised, but I think that maybe you should just hit Bizarre in the Dredge decks rather than the Great Troll. Yeah, kind of like... Kind of the same thing with Workshop. Where with, with Workshop, yeah. This uh, this will be interesting to see if the Grave Troll ban is or restriction is good enough. Um, if so, I think Bizarre is probably fine because there are like a couple other archetypes that play Bizarre, like the... Uh, the uh, Survival of the Fittest decks. So, if Dredge is less of a problem, I think it's fine. If not, maybe look at Banning Bazaar. And the last thing is actually Fast Bond being unrestricted. I, I don't know how to feel about this. I feel like it's definitely really cool, but I don't actually know how much it's going to shake up Vintage. Yeah, I do not 
personally know enough about vintage to like the restrictions it makes more sense mm-hmm. but an unrestriction in vintage is a lot more there's a lot more to more to dig into there to, because it creates entirely in, in theory a whole new archetype right because i can't imagine that most, many decks are playing a one of fast bond yeah um, i don't i i can't think of many that would play a one that were playing one of fast bond maybe you know a few more aaron and chad i know uh I know you've played Vintage a lot more than Brian or I probably have. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to more playing the uh, decks that seem a little bit more tournament play than I do the ones that are a little bit more popular just on Magic Online. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fast Bond is a, I, I could tell you from at least playing in, in uh, Vintage Cube that it's hella fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, I guess we'll have to see if it's good enough or, or good enough for two or even too strong, or I guess the other way around. But um, for vintage itself, yeah. Obviously, getting a lot of mana at like in at one time is kind of what the deck already does, but or not what the deck already does, but what the format already does with the mocks. But now you do it via lands. Yeah, and I, I the the main reason why they they are changing vintage now, and we we see it pretty much always around this time of year, is because Eternal Weekend's coming up, and I. I enjoy that they look at these formats for around that time, you know, even though they're not like super popular formats. And I don't think many people would bat an eye if Wizards never banned or or never restricted or unrestricted another card in Vintage. But it's really cool to see when an event is coming up, Wizards does keep an eye on all formats. Yeah, Eternal Weekend is basically the biggest event for Vintage in every year. So them trying to make up a change uh, heading into that event uh, makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I believe that they said that they were still, uh, they're talking, I can't remember if this is just something I saw on Twitter or if it's something that, yeah, something here at the bottom. Yeah, of the, they uh, mentioned it that uh, there's another BNR before Eternal Weekend and so, they're, they're willing to look at the format again. So if these changes don't work out, um, then they can obviously do something heading into Eternal Weekend, which I think giving it like what about a month or so of testing waters with these kind of changes heading into Eternal Weekend makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so excited to see Eternal Weekend. Uh, was thinking about going, still might end up going this year to play Legacy. I uh, I do not own Vintage, that's for sure. That uh, That's way out of my price range. But, uh, yeah, uh, Vintage is a little pricey. Just a little bit. But uh, speaking of pricey and not pricey, that moves us into our next segment now, uh, which is the MTG Finance side of things. And this uh, this first one's actually really interesting to me because I actually am kind I, like not me personally, but I've I've been playing the deck that really got uh, this card, Psychic Puppetry, to spike. So Psychic Puppetry is a blue and a colorless instant with Arcane that you can tap or untap target permanent, but it has splice onto arcane for a one blue, which splice to arcane is whenever you cast an arcane spell, you can pay the cost and reveal this card from your hand to essentially add its ability to its text. So the reason why this card spiked up is there's this new modern deck called Twiddlestorm, which has really been getting popularized ever since Saffron Olive played it, where you try to keep tapping and untapping the new M20 land Lotus Field, 
which is essentially a hexproof black lotus on a land, but it enters taps and you have to sacrifice two lands. So essentially you just keep untapping and tapping this and drawing cards, filtering through your deck until you eventually grape shot and past inflames your opponent for lethal. So I think this deck's very powerful. I think it's also going to be pretty well positioned in the future of modern with all the banning and unbannings as I think storm style decks are really well positioned. So uh, this one is definitely an interesting spike. I don't know if it's $4 worthy. It is a common from Kamigawa. And spiking almost a thousand percent is quite a lot. What uh Yeah. Uh the these spikes are usually not usually worth buying into a whole time. Like Stoneforge recently jumped because of the unbanning as well, right? But yeah, I, I uh, think like ones, if you're interested in the deck, it's still like as far as modern goes, four dollars isn't that much compared to like Stoneforge going from like thirty to eighty. Yeah, like I think I think the deck is like three hundred dollars, which is not really even a place out of scolding tarns, for example. Yeah. Um but yeah, I I think I would wait on this. I think this card will probably end up dropping to around the like one or two dollar mark. Um it definitely wouldn't be bulk anymore in my opinion. Especially if this deck sticks around. Yeah, but also if you need it because you just really want to play it or anything, I don't think that you're breaking the bank by picking it up. Now. Yeah, if $4, 12 for the playset for the deck isn't bad. Uh, especially if you really want to play the deck, which the deck is pretty powerful in my opinion. The next uh, card to spike is actually a Fido Rune Chase Rune Caster, which. Uh, is a one color or one blue three colorless for a two three that whenever a creature is turned face up you may draw a card. So this one went from like a quarter to two dollars and eighty cents because of the morph commander deck. I mean pretty common to see when new things come out for commander. That format really drives the price of cards. Yeah, it's amazing how much commander drives the price of cards even I would say almost kind of overall more so than your normal constructed formats yeah a lot of people actually mention that like commander is probably the even though like people don't think about it commander is probably just the most popular format of magic the gathering i, I would agree i think it just statistically is even not yeah even just, i wouldn't like, in theory i wouldn't be surprised i mean commander is something you can play you know at your local lgs but also play tabletop which Sure, you can do that with constructed formats, but Commander's multiplayer, and, you know, it appeals more to, like, the casual side of people a lot more than, you know, playing something like Modern or Standard even are. Yeah, and the, uh, since everything's just, like, a singleton, then if something does get banned, which just doesn't happen very often, um, but if something does get banned, it's just a one of in your deck, unless it's your Commander, then it's something you can usually, uh... You can normally find a pretty easy replacement. Yeah. Like... I think the last commander ban... Well, we actually recently had commander bans, but we haven't seen, like, an actual commander commander ban since, I think, like, Gristlebrand? Uh, Leovold. Leovold, that's right. Yeah, but Leovold, I mean, Leovold was dumb. <laughs> yeah, and Leovold was actually one of those few exceptions where, like, 
it was really it's really hard to fit a Leovold deck into something else because Leovold was so unique. But I mean, that card was stupid in Commander, anyways. So get it out of here. Yeah, agreed. The uh, the other card that spiked that they talked about is Balthor the Defiled, going from around four bucks to twenty one bucks. Uh, not so much because of most of the card text. It's a two mana or two black and two colorless for a two two. That gives all minions plus one plus one. I don't even know how many minions there are in Ma- or in Magic, but the real reason is for three black. You can remove it from the game, and return all black and red creatures from your graveyard to play, and that's a combo with the new Commander Chainer, because Chainer says whenever a creature enters the battlefield from your graveyard, or just if it wasn't cast from your hand, it gains haste. So it essentially. Uh, just like brings all your creatures back from your graveyard with haste kind of like uh what's that what's that one where you st- uh, insurrection i think it is where you like steal all the creatures from everyone's board uh i don't know that one but i believe you yeah or like <laughs> tybalt ultimate there we go sure sure sure, sure. Yeah, yeah so i mean i think that i think this one's like way too high i guess like if you need one for your commander deck 20 bucks isn't bad, but I'd be surprised if this card stays 20 bucks. Yeah, that'd be really surprising. It's a fine effect, obviously, but it... Um... It's still just a... It's such a huge spike. Yeah. Like, it's not just, like, going from 20 cents to a few bucks. It's, like, going from a couple bucks to, like, 20. Almost. Looks like it's spiked at 30 at one point, according to that chart, even, so... Yeah, like it it topped out at $29 and it already dropped down to, you know, almost 21. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see this keep going down to like $10, something like that, yeah. So, if you can I'd wait on that one and then uh this one is another one that's really interesting, but this one more from the standard side actually is uh Keithus the Hidden Hand. It really really hit off in the uh oh what what are the tournaments on uh Magic Arena the Magic Arena qualifiers Yeah the MCQW right I Yeah I think it's MCQW yeah. Uh I know Stanislav Sifka for example and a bunch of other you know more known arena grinders were playing this really interesting four color legends deck where you basically just use Keithis to keep playing a bunch of legendary things. And you also just can kind of go off, essentially. Because with Fibblethip, you play him from the graveyard and draw a card. Which negates the downside of uh, having to exile things from your graveyard. And also, doesn't it let you just play legendary stuff? So doesn't it doesn't work with uh, Box Amber? But maybe I'm crazy. Yeah, oh. card. Yeah, it works with Amber. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, you basically can eventually make infinite mana. And yeah, then it's something something ridiculous. With Fibblethip, you can draw your deck. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's absurd. But this, I don't think. Well, diligent and Amber, and like half this deck rotate. So. 
Yeah, Anchor being the big one that lets it do the stupid man stuff. Do the stuff, stupid so man stuff. I can't imagine that this survives uh, more than this last month of standard. Really cool that Amber finally found a home, though. I remember when the card came out, you either heard that, like, this card was going to be broken one day or this card will never do anything. So it's really cool to see that it actually did something. Yeah, and this is also a cool deck uh, to kind of break the whole escape shift vampires standard. That seems to be kind of locked, which mm -hmm. might change up a little bit with uh, Frost on being unbanned as well. But this one also can compete. Yeah, and Frost on I actually think is good against this deck, right? Because you have to keep playing Fibblethip to dig through your deck. I think so, maybe. I, I honestly haven't seen a whole ton of this deck played. But yeah. I know that Mox Amber is one of the key cards to it. Yeah, I've seen people playing it, but I just have kind of ignored it because I don't have any standard plans until after rotation. Yeah, once the new the new PTQs come around. Yeah. But uh, I can see this card even staying up just because like, it's a fine value card for once rotation does happen. I guess it also just being a commander card as well. Like if uh, uh, it itself as a commander lets you play with like Captain Sisse, which lets you go and find more legends. So, Yeah, I could see that. So that's one of the ones I, I think will probably stay up and not not end up going down eventually. So next Maybe we... a buck or two, but that's about yeah. it. Next we have our cheap pickups, which... Uh, Soulscar Mage at 250. I don't really know if this is that cheap of a pickup. I feel like it's been around like the $2 range for a while. Yeah, it might go down now with Faithless Living getting banned. It depends on if Prowess can survive the loss of uh, Faithless Living. Uh, or not, yeah, not, yeah, the loss of Phoenix and Faithless Living together, yeah. basically. But yeah. I mean, they can technically play Phoenix, but they probably Yeah, won't. I don't think they're. I don't think that's in their best interest. I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the mono red prowess decks like Ryan Overturf play can survive without having a little bit of card selection like looting, and if they are even better than playing just like your traditional burn deck. I think that'll yeah. really decide Soulscar Mage's price and Agreed. whether or not they're worth picking up. Shadow of the Grave, I I don't really get why you'd want to pick this up. Uh, the uh, that black red commander is a cycle commander, and this one returns the hand. Oh, uh, okay. Cycle. Yep. So it'll probably just be a card for that deck. It does seem really cheap to pick up if you're interested in playing that commander deck, though. Yeah, I mean, and even fifty cents if you like want to try to speculate on something. It's a unique effect, so this card might go up eventually in the future. Uh M nineteen mythics as a category. That's interesting. I guess... It's because of rotation, like they're saying there. Uh, obviously, rotating cards are obviously going to tank right before rotation, but then could go up eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I I think the one that might have the biggest chance is probably this Nico Bolas. Wow, that's going insane. Because uh, I know I've seen Bolas played in... Played in the in modern a little bit so yeah i think that card just hasn't like it could but i think that that's the card that's kind of been the biggest disappointment of n19 where everyone thought it was gonna be better than it ended up being yeah it, it unfortunately didn't really pan out uh vivian was really good in standard for a while but she might find a small home, home in modern but maybe as like a sideboard card if the mid-range decks like we're expecting become a lot more popular 
Maybe yeah, like elves could play her in the sideboard. I had someone played against me in modern out of Scape Shift. But there's probably just like a one of the sideboard, probably. Yeah. That's interesting though, I could see it. Uh the Sarkon he's seen a little bit of play in like Mono Red Prison, but now they just have better cards, I think. And I don't really think that there's a white deck that would fit the Ajani in it. You're just gonna play Gideon instead. Yeah. If you're gonna play a four mana uh planeswalker. Mm. And the last card to talk about that he mentions you should probably buy is the first sliver, which, yeah, a lot of the slivers are pretty expensive, but, I mean, this is a newer printing of a sliver, so. Yeah, I do agree with him that saying that, like, a lot of the sliver lords are usually uh, a lot of money, and Modern Horizon should, in theory, be a pretty limited run. So if you are interested in slivers, it does seem like a good time to pick it up. But uh, it is a very recent printing, so it probably should stay low for a little while. Yeah, I don't, I don't really think you got to rush to buy this one. That's for sure. So, uh, and with that, we're at the end of the episode. So, uh, thanks again for coming on, Brian. I super yeah, appreciate it. Uh, you got any? I, I think you mentioned you were going to go to Columbus, right, this weekend. Yeah, Columbus, there's an MCQ this weekend. That'll be mostly kind of prep for GP Indy next weekend, for which is the team event, the team GP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I have the judging thing at Pando, the uh, judge trial, I think it is. I can't okay. remember what it's exactly called. So that's yeah, what I'll be I, doing. Yeah, Chris mentioned it, but I'm not really sure what exactly it's about. It'll be interesting to see what they're what they do with you guys. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see because he really didn't give us any information about what we're gonna be doing either. He was just like, "Bring decks you said you'd bring," and I'm like, "Okay." But uh, if you want to find Brian or I on Twitter, you can find me on Twitter at Richard T M T G, and you can find Brian at Carrie DS ninety two. And that is going to be the end of the episode this week. So thank you all for tuning in, and I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I will see you next week. Thanks again, Brian. Bye, guys.